0: Welcome to A Wild New Work, Ecological Guidance for Your Career. This podcast is about how to take wise, soul-centered action in your work life, and it's all based on the wisdom of nature. I'm your host, Megan Leatherman. Hi, friends. Thank you so much for being with me here today. Um, I'm excited to... Pivot a little bit and talk about organizational stuff. This uh, podcast is usually more focused on you as the individual and how you're taking good care in your career and how that relates to the rhythms and cycles of nature. but I know that many of you are managers and you know quote people operations or HR professionals who care about taking a more eco-friendly and humane approach to your work and um, so I'm excited to support you in that way and it's something that I care a lot about and um, have a background in so it made sense to just do this and have fun with it this month. So I'll be sharing that with you. I'll also be talking about where we are kind of in this Season the height of autumn, um, and as we approach the end of the year and uh, some of the things that can come, can sort of come up in that, in that regard. So, lots to cover today, and I'm excited to be here with you. I have just two announcements today. I have a couple of free things coming up actually for you and your employees. Um, the first is a free webinar on November 13th called How to Prepare Your Career for the Winter Season. And this will be a sort of high level overview of what the winter offers us in terms of our careers and our personal growth and care, um, and how we can begin to prepare and make room for that. You know, many of our animal friends ac- across the planet know that winter is coming and they're preparing for it, whether that's stocking up on food just eating more as they prepare for hibernation, migrating to different breeding grounds. Um, So there are things that are happening in the world around us, and I think we feel that similar sense of wanting to prepare for the season of you know, quiet and rest and death and cold. And um, that doesn't mean that we stop working, right? Uh, unfortunately, that's not an option for most people in this society. But uh, there are things we can do to take advantage of that rest and uh, that invitation of winter. And we can begin now by making room for it. So this will be a really nice, rich way to share the seasonal wisdom with you. And you can sign up the link in the show notes or on my website, um, if you go to awildnewwork.com slash shop. The second free thing um, starts on November 14th, and it's called Work as a Sacred Practice. And this is a four-week course. Um, It's something that I've sort of been meditating on or sitting with for a while and is ready to come alive, and I'm really excited to share it with you. So this will be a four-week look at how we can relate to our work as a sacred practice, both through our daily actions and choices, but also by um, the big choices that we make about what we do and how we spend our life force or our energy through work. Um, So you'll see starting November 14th, there will be four weekly uh, podcast episodes, smaller episodes that cover um, each of the four topics we'll cover in the course. But if you want the entire course, you can sign up at the link in the show notes to receive the weekly written content, reflection prompts, the resources that I'll be sharing, and everything else that's included in the course. So I encourage you to do that if you are feeling a little just weary or burnt out or wanting to infuse more of yourself or more of your spiritual side into the work. Um, I can't tell you how nourishing that has been for me. It's it's For okay. me, it's really been the key to the work that I do. And so I'm really excited to share some of my uh, insights on this topic and support you in relating to your work in a fresh way. So, Again, you can sign up for that. And if you are listening to this after November 14th, you can still sign up and, um, and get the emails. They just won't be live. So that's what I have for you. Um, why don't we go ahead and do our opening invocation? So wherever you are, go ahead and settle in. Get comfortable in your seat. See if you can make your body a little heavier than it was. Just take a second to notice how you're breathing. You don't have to change it or do it differently. Just notice where the breath is coming in, how deep it's going before it goes out. May this episode and each of us that are listening to it be blessed and emboldened to do the work we're meant to do on this planet. May our work honor our ancestors, known and unknown, and may it be in harmony with all creatures we share this earth with. I express gratitude for all of the technologies and gifts that have made this possible, and I'm grateful to the Chinook people, who are the original stewards of the land that I'm on. And, of course, I am grateful to this earth, which continues to support us and provide for all of our needs. All right. Well, here we are. We're deep into autumn now. It's been autumn officially since September 23rd. Um, and it feels, to me, it feels like winter is fast approaching. Um, some of the trees around Portland are already almost bare. There's been frost here in the mornings. Uh, it It's feeling like we're almost there, even though it's you know, still technically autumn and will be until late December. And it feels important to acknowledge what a privilege it is to be observing and enjoying these seasonal shifts. You know, I, I don't think they were, I don't think they are as stable as they once were, uh, but they really are a treasure that need to be preserved. You know, it's such a gift that we have this transitional season between summer and winter where the trees change color and the leaves drop, you know, slowly, not all at once. And we have this time Of kind of in between that is so rich and it's something special and that we shouldn't, that I don't want to take for granted. So there's this tension, I think, in this season and this transition between wanting to slow down and feeling that in our bodies, you know, wanting to cook more, be inside more, uh, maybe do less, go to bed earlier. That's happening and that's real. And I encourage you to trust your body if that's how it's feeling. And then we also get this kind of buzz or extra energy from the holiday season here in the U.S. You know, people, um, you know, many people celebrate Thanksgiving here, not all, um, but some, many. And then we have the, you know, Hanukkah, Christmas, sort of end of year holidays. And not only that, but the pressure to complete or accomplish a lot before the end of the year And I just want to encourage each of you to be really gentle with that, to honor what feels like it absolutely has to happen before 2020 and let go of whatever can wait. Um, You get to decide which timelines work best for you. And since we're talking about organizational stuff today, I, I do think it's kind of weird or... Uh, inefficient maybe that organizations try to do so much in the winter you know there's a lot of year-end planning or year-end budgeting uh, and then strategic planning into the next year all of that's happening at the darkest (laughs) coldest time of year when the rest of the world is just settling in and really letting their soil regenerate or letting them their bodies regenerate and seeing what comes up you know, when it gets warmer and when it's closer to spring. You know, a more seasonally appropriate organization would really concentrate on how to re-energize itself in the winter, how to conserve resources, and how to sort of allow that transformation or refreshment to come naturally, and then do the big picture planning or the big changes as it gets closer to the spring. Um, So if you have any control over that in your organization or in your career I encourage you to be intentional about the timelines that you work on and notice what might feel like a better use of your energy and your time and notice when it feels like you're forcing something to happen before it's really ready or ripe. So the winter doesn't mean that we stop doing the work we need to do. And even though it's autumn and we are transitioning and the days are getting darker, there still is activity, of course. For some animals, there's a lot of activity, right? Migrating or storing up food for winter or eating a bunch for hibernation. That is a lot of action and energy that gets expended. Um, So we get to just notice where we're feeling drawn to do less and where we're feeling like there's still more that wants to come through this season. And it can really be a time of deep change and exploration, but not often in the ways that we're accustomed to. In Scorpio season, which we're still in until late November, we're really invited to go deep here and reconnect with the navigation system that makes sense to us, right? the sort of inner wisdom that so often gets muddled over by our brains and our ana- analytical parts uh, also gets overridden by our social expectations or the people that we are around. And you can call it your intuition, your spirit. You can you know, call it God, goddess, whatever fits for you. But that kind of inner well, that deep sense of what fits for you and what doesn't, It's there to help you stay energized and to replenish you and help you do your best work. So even though we are entering a quieter time of year, that doesn't mean that the change or the transformation stops. This is actually an incredible time of death and rebirth and new life. And I encourage you to embrace that if you're feeling it in your personal life or your experience. And I would be remiss in talking about employee retention without starting by talking about how important it is that you continue to nurture your well, your inner wisdom, your inner navigation system. This is the place where we feel whole and centered, where we can renew. It's really what keeps us going in a good way. It's that sort of intrinsic motivation, that inner drive that compels us to do meaningful work. It's not the, you know, caffeine-riddled, pushing, sort of ambitious uh, drive that so many of us are running on most days, right? It's, it comes from a deeper place, and I think you can really even feel it in your body. So you may check in with You know, I don't know where you feel this in your body. I often notice it in my pelvic bowl, in my lower belly, up to my my solar plexus, which is sort of the upper part of your belly where your diaphragm meets. Um, I feel that I can notice when that energy is feeling really low and when it feels like I'm just pushing and forcing something versus when I feel really centered and grounded and full. And I would ask you to consider what it feels like when you're running on empty, right? And what does it feel like when you're running on full? Have you ever run on full, right? It's hard in our culture to take the rest that we need, do the things that really nurture that inner well and make us feel full and grounded. But it is possible and it is your right. You, you absolutely deserve to feel that. So I would ask you just now to do a quick check-in. Where are you at today? How full or empty is your well, your inner sort of tank of energy? And where do you feel it in your body? I think there are a few signs that are easy to point out when a manager or a HR people professional are when the, these people are running on empty. It, to me, it shows up as a lot of suspiciousness, um, suspicion of employees, this sense of, you know, they're just here to get a paycheck and do as little as they can. If they were left to their own devices, they would do nothing. This sense of like, all the employees are bad, and we have to use carrots and sticks to get them to do anything. I think that comes from a place of really running on empty. Um, I've also seen it show up as just being totally overwhelmed and having good intentions, but really not being able to be present or perform in a way that's helpful uh, because, again, their tank is empty. It can also show up as feeling resentful, You know, hopeless, really being unable to cognitively process or think very clearly or strategically. So none of this means that someone's doing a bad job or they're not fit to do their work. It just means that this is an opportunity to look very deeply at where their well is and where their tank is and what is the state of it and what do they need in order to regenerate. And this is an excellent time of year to be considering that and to to be taking steps that do nurture us at a deep level. Because it looks very different when managers and people, professionals are running on full. They think clearly. They have open minds and open hearts. They can see different possibilities. They're able to think strategically and to find helpful solutions. And I think there's also this orientation toward Greater servant leadership, this desire to really support people doing their best work, not because those people need to be kind of whipped into submission, but because you believe in them that they will do great work if given the right environment. And you're, you know that your role is to help create that right environment. Um, so it's very different when we are doing work from a place of fullness and care. I think there are. There are millions of ways to fill our wells, and you have to find what works best for you. Some of the things that almost immediately make me feel more full and grounded are time alone, uh, you know, introspecting or reflecting time in nature, doing purposeful work that has good boundaries and that's not burning me out, um, feeling that sense of spiritual connection, feeling a sense of community. You know, being in mystery or awe, which you can learn more about in episode 23. So, for you, I would encourage you to consider this time of year what is it that makes you feel full, like you can really connect to that deep, wise part of yourself? There are many things in this culture that empty. Our wells, as individuals, I think obligation is up there for sure. Denying what we know is true for us, uh, being too busy, being overwhelmed, being isolated, being indoors all the time, and sort of not knowing our place in the world, which comes from that sense of isolation and sort of myopia that can happen when we're alone or indoors or you know not doing the good work that we're meant to do, and sort of stuffing that down. Culturally, this happens because so many people are not able to meet their basic needs. You know, the tragedy of climate change is also incredibly taxing and scary and, you know, can be a way that our wells get emptied if we're in that place of fear and um, worry about that, even though it is real, of course, and I want to acknowledge that, um, there are many other cultural overlays, like violence, white supremacy, capitalism. We're in this culture of extraction, right? We have agreed as a society that it makes sense to extract as many resources as we can from the earth to meet our basic needs, sure, but also our superfluous needs, right? The things that we don't truly need, but that we want, right? So the question becomes, how much can we get out of this earth and that bleeds into every area of our lives right the question at work is often how much can my organization get out of these employees for as little money as possible right how much can your supervisor get from you before you you know draw the line or say I need time off or that's all I can do today and then we internalize it so we're thinking you know how much can I take or extract from my body how much how far or fast can i go without refilling my well so in this way we are talking about renewable resources renewable energy so instead of you know disemboweling yourself like we do with the earth through fracking and building oil pipelines how can you receive more you know quote unquote solar power or let your well regenerate on its own It's very difficult to do good work for others when we are running on empty. So before you revamp your employee retention strategy or before you try to think big picture about how you want to contribute to your organization this year and next, I would encourage you to really, really look at how you fill your well and what the status of that is and see if you can sort of stretch yourself to fill it even more Because when your well is full, you can see your organization clearly. You'll be able to better understand what is at the heart of your particular employee retention situation. Um, It's harder to do that when our nervous systems are overloaded and we're, you know, just running on fumes. So it's important. And that's all, all I will say about that. So why don't I transition to talk about employee retention and what I mean by employee retention is a thoughtful, appropriate strategy for receiving and releasing the talents of employees. And I have to acknowledge that, again, we, we're we doing the best we can here in an extractive, manipulative culture where the setup is, you know, how can I get as much out of these people as possible, you know, pay them as little as I can, in order for them to stay and do good work, um, it is a very transactional, extractive setup, and I can't deny that. It's you know even the best, most wonderful organizations are still just coping in this system of, you know what many people call wage slavery. This this uh, setup that says you can't meet your basic needs, you don't deserve to have you know healthcare or education or secure housing unless you are out there working often 40 plus hours a week for a wage which sometimes isn't even a living wage so it's not an ideal system by any means but hopefully what I shared today is helpful in just doing the best we can within this system while it's still here um, in the future I think employee employer arrangements will look even more fluid than they do today and ideally and I hope this is where we're headed our society will support everyone regardless of their employment status so that people are foundationally cared for right they have their basic needs met regardless of whether they're employed or not and then they get to decide what kind of work they want to do and when right I don't believe that it's ideal that organizations, businesses are responsible for everyone's health care, retirement accounts, et cetera. It really should be a hub of consenting, you know, well-taken-care-of adults where there's activity and community and good work can take place, not this sort of weird, parentified, abusive relationship where, you know you can only, you only get paid if you're contributing value. And if you can't, you know, then we're not responsible for, for you or helping you meet your needs. I believe that all humans, all people, part of this society deserve to have their basic needs met. And then the work becomes, you know, where can your strengths be most useful and get plugged in? So Some organizations are already headed there into this more fluid environment, but we're still missing the social safety net that we need. So this is where we are. Um, Employment is no longer and never really needed to be a permanent arrangement, right? Animals migrate all of the time. Things, you know, animals move through different parts of ecosystems. They move entire ecosystems there has always been this change and fluidity and what's different about our lives now is that that's happening on such a rapid at such a rapid pace. So if this area feels particularly difficult for you and your organization, I would encourage you to look at your ex- expectations for retention. You know, do you expect people to stay for 10 years and they're leaving after 3 and that is feeling really disappointing or frustrating? You know, do you keep hiring people who are misaligned, planning to keep them, you know, as sort of a holdover for six months or so, and then they do end up staying 10 years, right? What is the dynamic and what are your expectations or beliefs about that dynamic? See if you can get very, very clear at the beginning about your own expectations for retention and the expectation of other leaders in your organization. We are moving toward this more fluid, dynamic Arrangement. I, I'm sure you know that already and are seeing that already, but many of us are still clinging to this belief that people should stay in a place for a long time if they're happy or if they're well taken care of, um, or if they, you know, don't have enough experience to move elsewhere. But the truth is that people are moving more rapidly, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. So we just get to decide how to orient to that and how we want to relate to that. So looking at your expectations is primary, first and foremost. I think successful retention looks like a healthy ecosystem. Healthy ecosystems have an appropriate input and output of energy. They have extensive diversity. The healthiest ecosystems are home to thousands of different kinds of organisms and they also have a very foundational level of well-being and flourishing. So a healthy ecosystem, when it's comprised of all of these components and it's fluid and um, strong enough, becomes extremely resilient in the face of environmental disturbances because no ecosystem is perfect or shielded from environmental you know disasters or changes or migration patterns right and especially nowadays with climate change and in the instability that the earth is facing These ecosystems are having to be even more resilient and more adaptable than they really should be because of, you know, human-led climate change. So we have a lot to learn from these systems about how to create healthy organizations that are strong and resilient and able to bounce back after some sort of change or intervention. So I want to go through each of these components and talk about how they relate to employee retention and um, how you sort of invite in people into the organization, take care of them, and then release them when they're done. So I'll talk first about this sort of foundational level of flourishing that's required for a healthy ecosystem. And this is really about the soil in an ecosystem. If the soil is toxic or poisoned, hardly anything in that ecosystem will survive. It's just, without that healthy soil, it's sort of just impossible. And in Scorpio season and in this mid-autumn period, we are invited to look very closely and deeply at things to understand what is really going on beneath the surface in our lives, but also in the businesses and organizations that we are working in the soil of an organization is its capacity for growth. It's the organization's culture, its heart. If the work your organization is doing is poisoning the earth or contributing harm in some way, and we all contribute harm because in the system it's impossible to be perfect and relate to the earth in a great way, right? But you know, like if if your organization is doing bad things knowingly or intentionally then there's only so much you can do to make the internal environment healthy because at its root the work is poisoned meaning if you work for BP or Exxon you can you know sort of cover over the stench of a toxic culture but at its heart those organizations are contributing to the death of the planet, right? And no amount of consulting or employee retention strategies are are going to prevent that from seeping into the organizational culture, culture as well. They're completely intertwined because if the work an organization is doing is extractive and manipulative or harmful, then that is its nature. That is what it's creating inside as well. So, organizations are poisoned by toxic contributions or toxic work. They're also poisoned by toxic people, right, who are unable to self-reflect and take care of themselves. Which doesn't mean that those people are bad, but they may not have a place in that ecosystem because the toxicity they bring can be like a blight or an invasive species that puts too much pressure on others in the ecosystem and triggers everyone's defense mechanisms. So, these things have to be managed, cut out, you know, recognized immediately the next time. And if your CEO is the source of the organization's toxicity, um, I encourage you to consider looking for a role elsewhere because there's so many people trying to do good work that are just trapped by leaders who um, are the source of the problem itself. So do what you can, but it's not all up to you either. So... That said, if you trust that the root of the organization, what it's contributing to the world, is healthy, then you can begin to look at the soil around the root, meaning is there fertile ground for employee and organizational growth? Are people paid fairly? You know, What could you do to increase the pay equity and transparency? Do people know how to access help when they need it? Do people feel fundamentally supported or does the organization view them as these dispensable resources that they can churn through? That orientation, that belief that employees are dispensable and, you know, this sort of haphazard thing that you can just manage and get rid of and they're like capital, um, that is not serving organizations anymore. People can sense that a mile away um, and the market is such that employees don't want to and don't have to work for Places like that. So, um, if you believe that the leaders in your organization are orienting to employees in this way, I encourage you to look at that and look at what's under that and why that might be happening. Regarding the soil and healthy room for growth, um, people also want to know that they can grow in your organization. And it doesn't have to be a fast track to a top position, it doesn't have to be, you know a 10 or 30 year plan or career development track but people want to have opportunities to learn and try new things right which doesn't have to be a huge deal or very expensive but is there this spaciousness and capacity for the soil to support new growth and new ideas and the skill building of the people who are there So I would say trust your intuition here. See if you can really get a sense for how things are at the root. Underneath all of the chatter, underneath all of the culture work that you may be doing already, underneath all the day-to-day buzz, you probably know more than you think about what needs to happen in order to improve retention. I bet you know what the issues are and how you want to begin addressing them. Really trust yourself, and that's much easier to do if you're well, your inner guidance system is full and online and taken care of. So the second component I wanna talk about is diversity. Um, Healthy ecosystems, like I said, are incredibly diverse. The health of the ecosystem provides resources for all sorts of life forms, and they all interact with one another, making it stronger. If you follow anything about the palm oil issue, then you know that there are entire rainforests being bulldozed and then replanted with a single crop of palm trees to, you know, produce this palm oil that's in a a whole bunch of stuff. And that is completely unsustainable. Right? These monocrops, these huge swaths of land that have one kind of plant and are super you know, hyper-managed by humans is completely unsustainable. Right? It's, it's sort of antithetical to the way that life works. Life requires diversity in order to survive. So if your organization's soil is healthy, you have a much better chance at inviting in and fostering diversity, which will make you much more resilient in the face of change. So to do that requires clear roles on your end, so knowing who does what in the organization. Uh, Role confusion is a fast track to employee burnout and frustration, Um, but it also requires an openness to the talents of others that could be put to creative uses that may not be included in an existing job description. This is part of the beauty of having a soil that's rich enough to support new growth and learning um, of the employees, right? A big part of this work is allowing what wants to grow to grow instead of micromanaging the ecosystem, which, as we've seen countless times in the mismanagement of real ecosystems by humans, can be disastrous, right? We don't want to be so interventionist that we're constantly tweaking and trying to get this machine working right because your organization isn't a machine. It's a living, breathing ecosystem, and that requires different tools. So allowing for greater diversity also requires a deep and honest look at what we all bring to the workplace, which is because of the culture that we were born into and have grown up in, is really internalized oppression, internalized white supremacy, uh, sexism, colonization, all of these different forms of oppression. These live inside of us and they manifest all the time in organizations. And that's a long road, but there are so many wonderful organizations out there helping workplaces to make greater room for diversity and inclusion, to really help people look at themselves and how this oppression is getting lived out in the workplace and change it. And there's really incredible liberating work happening. And this makes those workplaces much more resilient for the future. The last component I want to talk about is the appropriate inflow and outflow of energy. Again, in healthy ecosystem, there's balanced inflow of energy from the sun, and then there's outflow of energy, mostly in the form of heat. So plants are the first sort of uh, consumers of the energy and the sunlight. They grow, and then the animals are the secondary consumers who then eat the plants for energy and so on, and the life cycle continues. For our purposes today, I'll talk about the appropriate inflow and outflow of people, So again, consider your expectations and what you would deem to be successful or good or appropriate employee retention. Does that mean lower turnover? Does it mean increased time in the organization? Does it mean alumni coming back and contributing? Really, what is your intention here? And it may be different than your leadership team's intention. Um, So just getting clear about what the expectations are and who wants what to happen. And then consider how healthy your energy input is. Are the right people coming into the organization? When they're there, can they contribute in the way the ecosystem needs them to? Right. I'm sure you know this already, but retention starts at the beginning of the recruiting life cycle because we're looking for alignment where there's mutual gain and reciprocity. This doesn't have to be a completely yucky extractive exercise that won't that's just not what we need in the future of work. It can be a respectful conversation and dialogue about you know, what do you have to contribute? Here's what we you know, want to offer in return you know, out of gratitude and respect, um, and how can we keep this, this uh, reciprocal relationship going for as long as it's healthy and useful? And then once people are in your organization, are they receiving and converting energy in the ways that make sense? Are they getting the support they need? Is their role clear while being open enough for their strengths to come through? Your role as a manager or an HR professional is to create a healthy environment for them, not to compel them with sticks and carrots and you know desperation or uh, or the threat of punishment in per- in permaculture practice, the farmer or the person tending to the land observes the landscape first for a long time. They make tiny, tiny tweaks until they get the desired results. And then they stop interfering. (laughs) And your role is the same, right? If you have the right people, you have healthy soil, there's, you know, space for diversity and inclusion, and you're doing the work that you know you need to be doing right now and taking care of yourself then you're doing great. You're already creating a healthy environment where people can succeed. Your role is to create the container, to create the um, sort of the framework for the ecosystem and then see what wants to grow, right? You're not responsible for you know, forcing everyone to do the work that's in their job descriptions. By creating the right environment, that will naturally happen. Finally, you wanna take a look at your outflow of energy. And this includes why and how people are leaving the organization. And again, leaving isn't bad. It's natural. It's completely healthy under the right circumstances. And your organization may just not be a place where people can grow for long periods of time, and that's okay. So how can you let go of them in kind, respectful ways and create the possibility that they will come back one day or suggest your organizations to others in their network You know, a surefire way to create toxic soil in an organization is to try and trap people or make them feel bad for leaving. It just breeds this distrust and desperation. So especially now in the fall season, consider how you can more gracefully let people go. And that might mean having a frank conversation with someone that you know is on the edge of leaving or finding a kind but direct way to let go of someone who is bringing a lot of toxic energy to the team. Um, the, the trees and the plants around us have a lot to say about how to gracefully let go. And I encourage you to consider that and think about how your outflow process may want to change or transform this time of year. So let me just recap real quick what we've talked about. We've talked about healthy ecosystems and how they relate to your organization and employee retention Healthy ecosystems include a foundational level of well-being, so your organization's root and soil is healthy and capable of letting things grow. They include extensive diversity, so your roles are clear, you're open to people bringing new talents, learning new things, and you're addressing the realities of oppression in your structures and processes. Healthy ecosystems also have appropriate inflow and outflow of talents. You are attracting people whose strengths align with your organization's needs right now. You're creating a hospitable environment while they're there. And you're gracefully letting them go when it's time. So if you care about this, and you must if you've listened this far, then you're doing great. Really, many people are so burnt out and overwhelmed and bought into this sort of toxic workplace culture that's very extractive. And the fact that you you care about this and are thinking about this is wonderful. So start small. You know, little tweaks can have big, big impacts. And if if it were me, if I had an employee retention issue, I would probably start by trying to intuit what's going on, trusting myself, trusting that I have a good sense of what the problems are. And then just starting by removing sources of toxicity. It would It would be like you know, a cleanup process. Like let's say you have this landscape that's been a little bit, you know, polluted or is struggling in some way. You just begin removing the sources of pollution so that the ecosystem can start to thrive on its own, which it will, you know, it does. But you know where to start. Trust yourself with this. Um, And I'm glad that you are uh, thinking about it and that you're someone who has influence over, the experiences of people in their day-to-day workplaces. It's really powerful and important. So if this felt helpful and you'd like to talk more about employee retention strategies and how I might be able to help, you know, feel free to email me anytime at hello at awhilenewwork.com. Um... Like I said, the next episode on November 14th will be a mini episode for the Work as a Sacred Practice course, which again, you can listen to by itself, or you can get the entire course by signing up at the link in the show notes. Um, So there will be weekly episodes most of the next four weeks, and then we'll return to our normal, you know, twice a month schedule. So, that's what I have for you, my friends. I hope you enjoyed it and got something useful out of it. If you did, please share it, subscribe, rate the podcast. That helps so much. You can always contribute financially over on patreon.com if you feel led. Um, And just thank you so much for being here and for caring about the people around you that you work with. All right. Bye for now.